does not bridle his tongue. Uh-oh. Oh, I should read that one again. If anyone thinks to be righteous, yet he does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, and we're always careful to give you the honor, the glory, and the praise. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you continue to move and minister to our lives and to our hearts. Help us to be more and more like you. I ask it in Jesus' name, and we all said, Amen. And Amen. Does anybody have a job? You can go ahead and say yes, shout out, raise your hand. Well, not just a job. Let me finish why. Does anybody have a job that you work and you only get paid by commission? Anybody ever do that? Well, I know, I know you do. Commission work a little different, you know. It's not like, you know, eight-hour-a-day work, you got, you got an hour of your salary. See, because to someone who works on commission, the one thing that is disheartening is when you hear the words from a, a customer or somebody, and they kind of lack commitment. And, they, and you come up to them and, say, and you kind of go, can I help you? And the person said, no, thank you. I'm just looking. Commit. People on commission hate that. People on hourly, they don't care. You can look all you want. I'm paying, getting paid anyway. I'm getting my, you know, my chump change an hour. All right? Just looking. Don't you hate that? You know, what, what, is, what, what it mostly means really is go away. I have no intention of buying anything here, so get away from me. Just looking. Sometimes, I think we've all probably done this. We go, you ever go to the mall and you go shopping? But you're not really shopping. You're bored. So you go and you just look. Right? You go to the mall and you save like $10,000 because you, you've seen all kinds of stuff, but you didn't buy anything. Hello, somebody. Right? You saw all the choices, everything, and you don't buy nothing. You know, you shop till you drop, but you don't buy. Anybody do that? Come on now. You know what I'm talking about? We always do that. All right, just looking. We go just looking to sneak and peek and all the things and, that are really beyond our reach. Right? Ever pretend? I used to, live, I used to work in, um, in California, in Northern California, by an area called Alameda. You have the Alameda Marina. And I would act like, you know, I, I get dressed up because I know. And um, I go walk into a, a yacht where they sell yachts. And I never been in a yacht. Anybody ever been in a yacht? Well, I said, shoot, I'm going to go meet, check me out a yacht. So I act like I was, you know, have money and put on a nice hat, shine my shoes, walk in there, and they go, oh, man, because those people are on commission. Right? They sell one of those boats, and they're, they're living large for a while. So I walk in, and I check out the whole yacht. They explain it to me. In fact, not too long ago, they were building a, 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 a downtown, one of those buildings. They, they had a... Um, a penthouse that they were building. And I acted like I was gonna buy one. And me and my brother were there. They wanted, at that time, they think one was like $400,000, $500,000. Now it's worth about 1.4 million. We should have bought it. Anyway, we're at the, and they took us to the top floor the, at, the, at the penthouse and the, all the glass. And, but we never had one intention on, of, of buying. We acted like we, we were just looking. Amen, anybody, you can never do it. Or this, try this, you can have fun. You ever wanna drive a Porsche? Well, go to a Porsche dealer. Act like you want to buy one. They'll let you drive it. You give me your license, you just cruise around, cruise around the neighborhood a little bit, act like you're bad. Come on, you guys never did this. I, it's always, I go to Porsche, Lamborghinis. I drive, I drive them all and I act like I'm going to buy it, but I ain't buying nothing. I'm just looking. But I can say this, I drove a Lamborghini. Tell you what, I'm a bad dude. I ain't going to buy it, but I, I drove it even. 
Yeah. Well, or, or ladies, you can do this. Go to go to a real nice uh, diamond um, jewelry store. And you ever want to see how like a one carat diamond look on your finger? Well, go try one on, man. Just try one on. Take a picture. Yeah. You can say, look at this ring. You know, but you don't. You don't have to buy it. Just look, right? But if you're a salesman, well, and you see someone shopping, you get all excited about a possible sale. And then you're coming in for the kill. Dun, 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 I got me one. Yeah, you're all happy. You, you can already, already, you know, think about the filet mignon you're going to buy. I'm going to nail this one. I've got this one. You're coming in, and they give you those words. No, no, I'm just looking. Years ago, I used to fix copiers. Uh, and you can make good money selling copiers back, back in the day. I don't know about now. It's been out of that business for a while. But we would buy and sell copiers. And I had a friend. He was a pastor. He was a pastor in the outreach. His name was Richard. And he was a great salesman. And I go, you're not that good. I talk, Nick, you're not that good. Yeah, I am. I can, he goes, I can even sell that copper. I go, you know nothing about copper. Now, Richard was a jeweler. He had three jewelry stores. He, was, he used to sell jewelry. Oh, you can't sell copper. You don't know anything about copper. He goes, I bet you I sell your next copier. Okay, you bet. Yeah, I bet. So, in comes the customer. And I go, okay, there it is. Go ahead. And she walks with the customer. No, this is like amazing to me. It's like it etched in my memory. The lady comes up to you and he goes, oh, hi, hi. And he's real suave. If you know him, you know, you know Rich. Real suave. And he, how can I help? And he comes in there and he's talking to her. And she goes, well, I'm look, looking for a, a copier. And, and, and I'm watching him. And Richard doesn't know a copier from a fax machine. He doesn't know anything about these things. So the lady, lady's up there. And he goes, well, which one are you looking at? I need a this, this. And he didn't know. He goes, what about this one? She goes, well, that's nice. He goes, this copier is such an easy copier to operate. I'm going to let you try it and not tell you nothing. And you watch how easy it is for you to operate. Because he didn't know what to do. I go, oh, this guy's good. I'm looking at him. And so she goes, it is easy. And she's working and he's watching her working, trying to figure out what the heck she's doing. <laughs> she turns around and says, you know what? I'm going to take it. He goes, whoa, 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 we'll write that right up. He walked to me and he looked at me with a big old smile. She's behind him. He's like... I go, this guy's a good, that lady wasn't looking. She was buying, huh? But salesmen love people that buy, right? So what I want to establish to you is, 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 today, this morning, is the just looking position is a very dangerous and or unproductive position to be in. Because when you just look, you get nothing done. Right? Nothing, nothing done. See, just looking can cause you trouble. There was a, a person that we all know about in the garden, actually two of them, Adam and Eve. They would just look. But eventually, their just looking made them do things they wish they had never done. Genesis 3, 6. Let's all turn there. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food. She looked. And that it was delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise. She took from its fruit and ate. And she gave also to her husband with her. And he ate. See, we have a problem with our eyeballs. Look to your neighbor and say, you got problems with your eyes. Well. It says there that the woman saw that it was a delight to the eyes. She's seen it. Something appealed to her, right? She's seen it, that desire for knowledge, or, or you could call it the, the call of the unknown. 
But nevertheless, like us all, Eve had an attraction to that which was off limits. She looked at it. She was looking. Kind of like shopping in the mall. She was looking. She didn't buy nothing yet, but she was looking. One expert stresses that there are, well, let me back up, and I'll say this before I get there. The reason it's dangerous for people like us, well, and people in general, to look too much is we live in, a, in an addictive society. Don't we? Come on, we're addicted. I mean, we have very, a lot of bad addictions, but there's some we can call good addictions. I don't know. Who drinks coffee every day? You know, good thing coffee doesn't get it all strung out, or does it? We live, in a, we live in an addictive society, don't we not? No, we can go to the bad drugs. Well, let's go to the, let's, let's, let's not go to the bad drugs. We know all about that. Some people are addicted to soap operas, TVs, or in, in, in Mexico, novelas, right? But we live in, a, in an addictive society globally. Check this out. There are perhaps 100 million with a virtual addiction. You know what I mean by virtual addiction? Huh? Those things that deal with, with the computer, with the internet. Right? One expert stresses that there are five specific types of internet addiction, just based on what we look at. Cyber sexual addiction, hello someone. Addiction to adult chat rooms and cyber porn. Cyber relationship addiction. Now that would trip me out. Online friendships made in chat rooms or news groups that re replace real life friends and family. Chat rooms. How about net compulsions? Compulsive online gambling, online auction addiction, obsessive online trading. How about information overload? Huh? Just too much. Compulsive web sur surfing or database. Searching. Can you give me a tissue? Uh, now, how many of you, don't raise your hand, but just think about it. How many of you get up at least a couple days of the week, and the first thing you do is you look at your, your phone? Huh? Hello, someone. Now, some of you go, I don't, I don't think so. Don't think about it. Right? It's just our nature to be addicted. What about, let's not talk about the phone. How about computer addiction? Obsessive computer game playing. I know some men that almost lost their marriage because they, they're more into um, that battle. What's that one battle one? What? Call of Duty. Call of Duty. They are. I, I, they've lost it, almost lost their marriages because they're called. They've lost what duty is important. They went to the Call of Duty instead of their duty, their wife. Amen. Huh? It's, and it's all based on what we're seeing. Think about that. In South Korea, check this out. Public health officials have identified internet addiction as a full-blown national epidemic. An estimated one in 10 Korean teenagers is believed to be in the grips of online addiction. Gaming, pornography, social media. Internet addiction, one in 10. That's a lot, a lot of kimchi right there. The problem may be even worse in China. Right? Where the state agency estimates that 24 million young people are hooked on the internet. Sometimes spending three days straight in a cyber cafe. Isn't that amazing? 
David, Dr. Greenfield research puts the number of technology addicts in the U.S. at 5% of the population. 5% of the population, so if we're, let's say for rough numbers, we're at 300 million. What is that, 15 million? 15 million. And all the United States, and, and listen, I'm, I'm going to tell you, you can't tell me that there's not a few of you in here right now. Oh, think about that. Ouch, say ouch. See, in an addiction-afflicted society, there is no shortage of possibilities. What am I saying? You could be addicted to a lot of different things. I, I, I brought that out just because, you, you know, some goody two-shoes, oh, I'll never do drugs, I never do nothing, no. But you're locked on your computer, it's your honey bunny. Mm. Huh? See, new addictions are popping up every day. Why? Because it is our nature. Human nature is to be addicted. What? Right? National Institute of Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism. I'm going to just give you some stuff out here. Currently, 14 million Americans, one in every 13 adults, abuse alcohol. That's a lot of Americans, right? Several million more adults engage in risky drinking patterns that could lead to alcohol problems. 53% of men and women in the United States report that one or more of their close relatives have a drinking problem. The consequences of alcohol misuse are serious. In many cases, life-threatening. Check this out. In purely economic terms, alcohol use problems cost society approximately $167 billion per year. In human terms, it's incalculable. We don't know how to calculate the value that has been lost through alcohol. Why am I saying all this? Because this thing on both sides of your nose, these things, are called the window to your soul. So whatever you allow to, to, to manage these two things right here, become you, create you, establish you. Whatever the eye beholds, it affects the soul and the mind, the conscience. And the eye, your eyes, this is a good thing, can only go where your two feet take them. <laughs> Right? You're, I've never seen eyeballs rolling along by themselves. <laughs> Somehow when you look at the eyeballs, there's two feet underneath them taking them wherever they want to go. So the trick is, where are your feet taking you? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm? Why? Because you have these things and if you're not careful, you can come into the problem that happened to Eve. She had a lust for control. Well, it wasn't there initially. She was probably cool. Her and Adam, right? Enjoying themselves, right? Procreating, right? In charge of all of the creatures that God had created. They were just cool. Then all of a sudden, Eve, we don't know how long it was. It could have been years, 10 years. It could have been 100 years. There's no descriptive a time frame put there. But we do know that she kept looking at something that she couldn't, she, she shouldn't have looked at. And, and it came into the eye, the, the, rather the, the window of her soul, and it got in there. And all of a sudden, it began to create ideas that she had never had before, thoughts she had never had before, desires that she had never experienced before. And all of a sudden, she said, I want some of that. Because if you keep looking at the wrong things, Eventually, that lust, and every individual has his own type or her own type of lust, will, will want to control. The woman saw that the tree, she said, was desirable to make one wise. I don't know what she needed more wisdom for. She had access to God. 
right? She didn't need anything else. She had everything available to her, right? She was, you know, if you call, call it in a, in, a, in a scale of 1 to 10, she was probably a 12 because she was perfectly made by God. Huh? They didn't eat junk food, so she probably had a perfect figure, the perfect eyes. Adam was probably buff like me. I'm just kidding. I just threw that one in there. <laughs> huh? You know, I mean, she didn't need anything, but she kept looking at things she should have been looking at. So it stirred something up. See, here's the greatest temptation we will all face. All of a sudden, you're going to begin to think like... Can I control my own destiny? Because that's what she was saying. She had a perfect relationship with God, but she goes, that's not enough. I want to be in control. Ah, and that's we're all going to face that one. Because men and women, we want to control our own destiny. And God says he will have nothing of that. If you want to control your own destiny, then go ahead with your bad self. Because he has a plan for us. So you either have his plan, which he's in control, and you nothing of, you know nothing of, or you have your own plan, and you're in control, and you still know nothing about it. Huh? See, earlier I mentioned addictions. <laughs> Perhaps you're addiction-free. You don't struggle as a Christian with the hardcore addiction. You're not talking about alcohol, food, control, or tobacco, sex, drugs, internet. But maybe you have a, a, a lust for control. Control. That's a far worse killer. Right? Why? Because it's accepted in today's Christianity. It's accepted that you can come to church and not follow God's will and do your own thing. Just be a good person. Pay your tithes. It's accepted. It sounds good. Pay your taxes. Stay out of jail. Don't get a number. That's, that's nice. You're cool. Come on down. It's well accepted to, to be in control as long as you're, you're in control according to societal norms. That's accepted. So I don't know if that's... Well, I, I believe that's worse because it's harder to talk to a person and say, you know, God had the plan for you. Well, excuse me, I serve the Lord and I have my own plan. That's a difficult one to, 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 to cross. You know? See, it is possible... You, for you to cling to addictions less visible, but more insidious. Huh? They're there. Pride, ambition, work can be, be homewreckers and, and life destroyers. I know many, many couples that have separated because the man thought all he had to do was work and come home and where's my bacon? And the wife said, get your own bacon. You just cut off a piece of you. Well, why? Because, you know, work and money, that's not, that's not happiness. There's way more, but we convince ourselves, that's it, I'm, I'm a good man, I'm a good person. No, 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 no. Is that God's will for your life? Is that really God's will? We don't know that. I don't know that. Hmm? Wow. See, they can keep you, I'm talking about pride, ambition, work, can keep you from enjoying the plentitude of God's blessings. See, and that's what I'm talking about. God will give us all those things, but I want to be where God is blessing. So I always tell people, stop asking God to bless what you're doing. Because what you're doing may not be worth blessing. You need to start asking God to put you where he's blessing. You, that's what you have to do. God, where are you blessing? Find out and then go there. Don't say, bless me. Bless what I'm doing. Oh, my goodness. Why? Because our heart is very wicked. It, it's deceitful. And we really don't know what God wants for us. And sometimes when we find out, we don't want to know it. 
Right? See, lust is rooted in the flesh. Ultimately, she had a she had a lust of the flesh. The woman saw. She said the woman saw. She was just looking, and she said, "Hmm, that tree is pretty good for food. I want to eat some of that." See, the untamed flesh, left to its own, destroys marriages, families, and children. I'm, and I'm not talking about sex. I'm talking about the lust of the flesh. There's something great. There's things way greater and worse than that. Power, greed, huh? Those things, that lust. Although we all know what this three-letter word can do to, in an uncontrolled heart. But there are other lusts that are just as harmful. Hmm? They're terrible. Louis Bayard, for some history people. Years ago, there was a radiant, beautiful young woman. And when she sang, there was this sorrow, this hurt in her voice. A sorrow that dogged her life. In fact, from its earliest days, she had this tone to her voice. It would move people. She was born to a mismatched couple of vaudevillian actors. Baby Frances Gum was her name. Frances Gum, if you don't know that name, she sang a song in the Wizard of Oz, Oz called Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Judy Garland. Beautiful voice, beautiful woman, right? With her came a desire to please and, 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 to, and she, had, she had a desire to please and talent to burn. Assets that were quickly recognized and exploited by her fiercely ambitious mother. Ethel Gum wouldn't stop until her youngest star daughter was a star. Even if it meant giving the child amphetamines and sleeping pills to keep her going. So it was that well before she was Judy Garland, well before she was walking down the yellow brick road, baby Gum was an addict. And no amount of fame or love could ever change that. Greed did that. A mother's lust of the flesh destroyed a little girl. See, James 1.14 says, But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when the lust has conceived, it get, gives birth to son, sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Huh? So what, what am I saying? The eyes, your eyes, what we bring into our mind will begin to dominate you. And then it be, begins to stimulate the lusts that are within us all. All of us have these lusts. It can't be in denial. So what am I We must be careful if we just go around just looking. Be careful. Right? See, what you see may be the very thing that conquers you. Just looking. See, another, another when you look at just looking, that, that's another term for me when I see it is the lack of commitment. Here's where another form of just looking causes damage. Because James 1.23 says, If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's a man who just looks. Well, he's a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror. For once he had looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. See, some people spend all their lives just looking. 
never willing to invest their energies, unable to share their emotions, incapable of parting with their economic security, afraid of anything that has risk involved. Just looking. Just looking mentality has several similar traits. Think about this. They drift in and out of relationships without ever daring to love. Um, you know, um, and they even make songs and talk, and they act like they're bad. I'm a player. You ever hear that? I'm a player. Huh? Well, don't get mad at the player. Get mad at the game. I'm a player. Right? Just looking. Huh? Right? They drift in and out of communities with ever dropping anchor. Just looking. They drift in and out of a church with ever, without ever opening their arms to their fellow brother and sister. Just looking. Huh? See, the text from James reveals the author obviously felt a similar sense of frustration with would-be Christians who were bystanders or bench warmers. Huh? He says, prove yourself to be a doer of the word, not just a hearer who, I like what he says, James says, who deludes themselves. Just because you come to church means nothing. So just be here, don't, don't delude yourself, don't think you're okay. Do something. Don't just look. Do something. Don't just check it out. Do something. Don't just drop your kids off the children's church. Do something. Don't just listen to the worship. Do something. But we're a just looking society. Just checking it out. Right? The writer reminds us that just hearing the word, the good news of Jesus Christ, is not enough. See, if you're going to use the window of your soul, and you will, look at the things of God. Hmm. See, when you see the Lord and His work, that should move you into action. Listen, now, you know, I, I, I came with the homes, because some of them are, are for real. And let's be, some of them are not playing games. But that doesn't matter to me. Why? Because I'm doing my part. And when I see one or two or three or four or five or six or seven or eight come out and make something of their life, that's worth it. So when I see something, it makes me want to do something. It makes me want to do more. I want a bigger campus. I want another campus. I want to reach more and more and more. Because I don't want to just look and get blessed. Because we did look and we did get blessed. But I don't just want to look. What can I do? What more can I do to grow this, to make it better? Yeah. Not just look. That's no fun. So when you see the Lord and His work, move into action. The energy from a human being requires involvement. Emotions from a person demand intimacy. Economic security asks that you give out of your hard-earned cash. Excitement around a cause mandates courage. And that's what we have to do. Use our energy. Allow our emotions to, to, go, to grow. Use our economic security to help others. And be excited around a cause. Do we not have a cause? Yes. Let me say it again. Do we not have a cause? 
There are people hurting. I am not satisfied with just me being blessed. Now, I don't mind being blessed, but I'm not satisfied with that. Huh, that's only temporal. It's cool to come home, but there is nothing greater than seeing a life f- from the muck and the mire, a tramp, a no-good dog, clean his life around, shake it all up, get cleaned by the blood of Jesus Christ, and all of a sudden will be washed away. There is nothing better than that. There's nothing. So what good is life if I can't experience that? If I had to choose, I would throw away everything else and just jump into what I see. That's life. That is truly life. To James remind us to be doers who act. See, a biblical faith finds plenty of precedence for action without a plan. Because some people say, well, I'll act. Well, what, what, what do I have to do? Hey, you don't, get, you don't get that privilege of having a plan. There's no plan. God didn't say, get a plan and then act. You know, he says, act and the plan will come. Yeah. That's called faith, my friend. Yeah. Abraham didn't have a plan, but he packed up and left home. Moses didn't have an army, but he confronted Pharaoh face to face. Rahab, Rahab the, the prostitute, didn't have a friend, but she hid Joshua's spies. Elijah didn't have hope, but he defeated the prophets of Baal. Nehemiah didn't have a country, but he rebuilt the walls. They didn't have a plan. They had a God who they believed in. They had a cause worth fighting for. That's what they had. That's what we have. We don't need a plan. We just need people to move. Peter didn't have a backbone, but he became the rock that the church was built on. Saul of Tarsus, who was a Christian murderer, didn't have a heart, but he became the apostle Paul and wrote one-third of the New Testament. He didn't have a plan. He just knew that he had a God, and he just stepped out. See, biblical faith finds little evidence of plans without action. Because oftentimes you get a plan, you don't do that. Okay, let's say I give you a plan, because there are some little plans in action, okay? Oh, and, and he said, and, 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 and he said, and for those seven days, I want all the men, the warriors to do one thing. What? It's shut up. They couldn't even talk for seven days. Shut up and march. What kind of a plan is that? That's a God plan. See, when God gives you a plan, it makes no sense. Could you imagine, if we were there, how many of you would be with me? I'd go. I said, well, I got to go, man. This is crazy. It's got to be good. What you doing? We walk. What you doing, Pastor Alec? I got a jar and a candle. Walk around the city. Yep. I got a plan. How many are going to follow me? Huh? Come on. Are you sophisticated Christians? Oh, not me. Uh, excuse me, but, you know, what people think? I have a reputation. That's your problem. You have a reputation. Because when God gives you a plan, it ain't going to make sense. So sometimes it's better that he don't give you a plan. Seven days. Then he's all by the end of seven days, just we're gonna blow the trumpet, break, break the glass, and then you're gonna win the war. That's God's type of plan. Huh? King David seen Goliath. God's plan was go kill the boy. Okay. Take take a sling and five rocks. That's that's the plan. A sling. Come on, that. Kill him. Take a sling and five rocks. David said, okay. Right? So he moves in faith. See, God, God's plans will blow your mind. 
Uh, Pastor Sonny. I imagine Pastor Sonny in New York City being this ministry getting founded when there was no ministry to the inner city. In fact, in those days, once a junkie, always a junkie. You never got delivered. Once you were hooked, that was it. You're done. And so they just gave up on people like that. But then God talked talk to Pastor Sonny. He said, no, 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 no. This is what you're going to do. You're going to make a church of those people you're reaching. In the beginning, they used to call us the drug addict church. Did you know that? Why? Because drug addicts were getting saved. Rather than get, giving God the glory that God was delivering drug addicts, Christians would say, ooh, ooh, Poochie, the drug addict church. Keep them over there. Really, nobody wanted us. Nobody wanted us. We're the drug addict church. All of a sudden, some of our drug addicts had babies, and our babies were getting PhDs and masters. Well, the drug addict was smart people in there, too. We started going all over the world, planning churches all over the world, establishing rehab homes all over the world, establishing UTCs all over the world, young people coming up, rising up. And all of them, they couldn't say, well, they couldn't say that they're just a drug addict church anymore. But imagine in the beginning, what kind of a plan is that? I remember when I came here, and we didn't have nothing. Just we had me, Jose, Larry, my babies, my wife. That was it. And, and then we had some crazy-looking people, drug addicts from this community. Remember? And in the beginning, they were sitting there like, whoa, what are, what are they, where did they find these people at? And I'm sitting there looking at all these people. I said, are we going to start a church with them? That's your plan? Huh? God, is there a better plan? Is there an alternate plan B? Have you seen these people in Colorado Springs? And that's the plan. That's the plan. Why? Because that transforming power that's going to change their life. That same, that's the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That's the same power that split the Red Sea. That's that same power. It's that power that this city needs. This city doesn't need another church. There are over 400 in this city. No, we need power that changes lives. We need power that'll split the Red Sea. We need power that'll stand the sun in the sky. We need power. We don't need a plan. We need the power of God. That's what we need. And that's what we have. The power. Prove yourselves through of the word. Just get out there. Like I told you many, many times. God says, I will give you treasures out of darkness. Plain and simple. What does that mean? You don't have to know anything. All you have to do is get out there. Why do you think when you walk out there and you start sharing about our ministry, people listen, they want to come? Why? Because that's God's promise. That is not our doing. He said, you go and you talk, I will give you. Simple. That's why the devil wants to keep you shut up. He wants to quiet your, your game. He doesn't want you to say anything. Why? Because he knows once you say it, people will come. Because they don't have a choice. Huh? Why? Because that's the promise that God has given us. You need to step into that promise. You need to begin to walk in that anointing. That's the anointing that, that, that Pastor Sonny was given by the Holy Ghost right there in the streets of New York, New York City. That's the same anointing that came to Nikki Cruz. Huh? That's the same anointing that we have. Power. Huh? So why, not, why are we not? Doers of the word of God. See, you have everything you need to be a doer. Don't just be looking. 
Oh, how nice. That's nice. Mijo, that's good for you. Oh, Mijo, that's good for you. Oh, I'm so glad for my husband. I'm so glad for my wife. No, what about you? What are you doing? It's a personal thing. You have to be a doer of the word of God. Don't just be looking. Because then you miss out. Faithful Christians must be doing. The whole point of faith is that we don't have to know every detail. See, Eve wanted to step out of faith and walk into understanding. I want to know. I need to know. Faith means you don't need to know. You believe. God is a rewarder of those who believe that he exists and diligently seek him. That's, that's who God is. He doesn't need you to have understanding. He needs you to believe. Faith requires that we know. We, we know not every possible development that awaits us. We don't know. Huh, I know one thing, and I've said it many times. I really don't know where God is going to take me in the end, but I know I'm on the right track. I don't need to know at the end. I, all I know is where I'm at today. That's why the Bible says he, he guides with a lamp. He let your, your light guide my feet. He, he, our feet just here. So we don't want a feet. We don't want a lamp. We want a spotlight. Where are you taking me? God said, I ain't, ain't going to give you a spotlight. I'm giving you a lamp just for your feet. Yeah, yeah. So, you, so if you want to know what's for, down the road, you got to take another step. Yeah. Well, I want to know down there. You don't get all that. If you want to know what's down there, you got to step that, that way. And then your lamp leads you. Your lamp guides my feet. Not your spotlight, your internet connection. Faith! Huh. Through thumb through the Old Testament, New Testament. That's my, my piano player comes up. If you look at you try to find God speaking through planners. Look through the look there. See, find God speaking through a planner. He doesn't speak through planners. Most of the time the prophets didn't know what they were talking about. They just begin to prophesy. God knew. They didn't know. Joseph, on his deathbed, concerning his bones, concerning his bones, he says, Barry, when you get up and get out of this country, where they were in Egypt, in slavery, when you, he said, when we get up and get out, take my bones and bury them with my forefathers. He was prophesying that he knew we're not going to stay in Egypt very long. What, concerning my bones. And when they left Egypt, Moses, they, uh, they dug up Moses, uh, Joseph's bones and they carried them to the promised land. Why? Because Joseph saw the promised land. He understood that God was going to lead him somewhere. Concerning my bones, he talked about. That's amazing to me. Mm, the, the Bible illustrates people that put God's love and deliverance into action. They were called the prophets. As Christians, we have, we have heard the word and we're called to act upon it. We're not here called to plan. We're called to prophesy. Speak to those dead bones. Speak to those dead communities. Speak to that drug addict. Speak to that lonely housewife. Speak to that lost child. Speak to that hurting relationship. Speak. We're called to prophesy. See, when we prophesy our way forward and live by faith, the way is not always clear. The risks are real. The commitment required is total. And the results are the Lord's. And that's what we need. 
when we act as a prophet. No one is just along for the ride, just looking. We're all called to be prophets, not just me, a preacher. I may be the leader here, but I'm not just the one called to preach and share the God's love. That's your job. My job is to create more pastors. That's my job. Your job is to preach the gospel to the highways and the byways, to your neighbors, to your friends. That's your job. Everyone must get out and push when the going gets tough. It is in the power of the Spirit that the church begins to shape its future. In the power of the Spirit. So we have examples of, of uh, in Victor Arch of greatness. We've seen, we can, I could talk about them all day long. Huh? And I see what God's doing here. I do. I see God clicking, maturity, determination, commitment. A desire to move. Oh, I, I, I know about your frailties, but don't hang in there. We all got them. Don't, don't give up. You got to click, not give up. You got to begin to speak. I know who I am. That's why I love that song. You may not be all messed up, but you know, I know who you are. I see. You, you may not be that person now today. You may have just got a joint. I don't care about that. I, I, I don't see that. I see who you are. God's got a call on you. God's got a blessing for your life. I see. You have to see with me. You have to look in your mirror and see who you are. Don't let the world discourage you. Don't let no one discourage you. God is good. God is faithful. So if we would get up, stop looking around and move with faith, we all, we all could grab a hold of our destiny. Don't you want to belong to something great? something that moves the world? I do. Why do you think I keep doing this? I don't just want to belong to a church. I want to belong to a, a body of people that shake the world. Huh, that, 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 that people look back at, where are you guys from? Oh, we're from Colorado Springs. I, I want the world to know where Colorado Springs is. Why? Because we, we've been there. We, we go to places. Huh? We, we're going to walk the streets of Bangkok and, and lead people to the Lord. Where are you from? Colorado Springs. Get a cassette Huh? We're from Colorado Springs. We got an anointing there. You want some of that? Wherever we go. Huh? See, we have a God-breathed purpose. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. Hallelujah. As every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to stop the just looking mentality. I want to call out those people who say, I'm going to be a doer of the Word of God, not just a hearer. And you may not know what you're going to do. That's perfect. That's where you need to be. All you have to have is, is a desire for God to use you. So others, you may have a call of God, a deep call to be a pastor. There's some people who are going to be pastors in the home. You don't even know it yet. Or maybe you do and you're afraid of it. God's called you to be a pastor, to reach out to people, to plant a victory out somewhere in the world. You, in the homes, 
the woman's home. You never know what's going to happen in Victor Outreach. We just need people that will say, I, I will be a doer of the world. Whatever that means, God, I open my heart to you. If that's you, as we sing this song, the altars are open. <laughs>